0: Miriam here with Matt and Meta and Derek. Today, we are talking about the promise of engagement and all of the little promises that getting engaged to somebody entails. Uh, We often talk about marriage as this one big promise. You know, you you make it in front of other people um, and people are upholding you in that. But leading up to that, I think there are so many other small promises that we make to each other. And I kind of want to talk about that. So we've all been engaged. All of our engagements have have led to marriage. All four of us are in marriages. What did that look like for you guys, or for people that you've seen? Um, what has that process been like?
1: I think I didn't call it this before, but when I was in uh, pastoral education in a hospital, working as a chaplain, one of my group mates. Uh, called these conversations DTRs, determine the relationship. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Yeah, yeah,
0: that was a thing.
1: (laughs) Apparently it was. I think I missed that thing. Um, But but I remember all of those sorts of navigating points of we're in a relationship, this is serious, how serious, how quickly serious, Um, and every step along the way, it was this building of trust and building of, um, I mean, I think promise really is what it is.
2: When my husband and I got engaged, I was living alone and I had um, left the state where we both met to go do my internship for seminary somewhere else and I was excited to have a year on my own and um, I'm a control freak and I like doing things my way and so realizing during this year apart how much I loved him, how much I wanted to be with him, how much I was giving myself permission to need him... Uh, was really disarming and kind of I let myself be aware of it in doses I could handle I think and then knowing that it was really important to him he wanted to do the proposing and so letting go of control and not knowing when that was going to happen or how that was going to happen was a good exercise for me and just um, being surprised and letting it be and he ended up uh, proposing during a thunderstorm under the tallest tree in the county which is not a bright idea but he knew that I loved this tree and that I spent a lot of time um, down by this river and um, I realized this must be a very important picnic if we're out here right now and to to trust him to stand under that tree in the middle of a thunderstorm um, I realized over the course of the year I'd been willing to lose a lot of control
1: <laughs> yeah you know for me, one of my favorite things as a pastor to do is the pre-marriage counseling. Like this is before a couple gets married where they come and meet with me and we talk about things. And and what I picked up somewhere along the lines uh, from another pastor that I know is that in every relationship that's about to become a marriage, so we're talking an engagement, there's actually a bunch of different weddings that are happening in one. Like we we think of a wedding as like this singular thing, but in actuality, there are multiple things coming together. You have your your finances coming together. Um, you're living in the same space, you're becoming roommates. Hopefully you're becoming best friends. You have all of the physical intimacy that comes with the marriage. There's all of these different things, family coming together, friends coming together. And, and to me, that's one of the most special things to talk about with couples, is how when you make an engagement to somebody, when you promise to be uh, married, um, that this there's there's lots of different pieces coming together on that. And it's really this, this special, beautiful thing.
0: I sat down to have a conversation with Emmy Kegler and Michelle Masselink about a big promise they're going to make to each other this fall. They're getting married this October. But what I really wanted to know was about the process of their engagement, the thousand little promises they have made and are making to one another as they prepare to spend their lives together. I know Emmy because we went to college together and we're both pastors in the same city. And I met her fiance, Michelle, who is a veterinarian, when she and Emmy started dating. And let me tell you, Emmy and Michelle do not do anything half-heartedly. They are intentional and thoughtful. And whenever they do a thing, they wanna do it fully and do it justice. Their process of dating and getting engaged is no exception. I knew this had been a long series of conversations for them, And I wanted to hear about where that intentionality has led them over the last year and a half that they've been engaged and how they see it as a foundation for their marriage.
3: Well, I told Michelle that I was going to marry her on, I think, our second date, which um, I think she was a little intimidated by, but we had both had enough whiskey that I think we mm, were able to choose to forget that it had happened. Hmm. And... We were at, um, although we're close in age, we were at very different stages in our life. I had been in a long-term relationship before that I thought was leading to marriage, um, and then it did not, and Michelle uh, had not. This was, I was her first relationship with a woman and really kind of your first long-term relationship, and... That was a really interesting negotiation process for us to figure out, um, you know, being similar ages, but me being, I think, a little further along as far as what I wanted in a relationship and how quickly I wanted a solid official commitment.
4: Yeah, I guess I think that um, I think I knew what I wanted in a relationship, but I didn't want to skip any stages because I hadn't gotten to do it before. And I, I think from my perspective, I kind of felt like Emmy had done it and knew where it was going and was just like ready to skip through all the other stages and be to the engaged stage. And I wanted to still have the, let's just be dating. Let's be newly dating. Let's be comfortably dating. Let's be talking about engagement and then let's get engaged and then let's be engaged for a while and then let's get married. And I didn't wanna skip those things in between. And so I think we ended up having a lot of conversations about that and about the fact that me wanting to experience those things didn't mean that I didn't want to marry her. It just meant that I wanted to not miss out on those things along the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how, what were those conversations like? Were there sort of negotiations or, um, I mean, when two people are at different places, did it feel like you met in the middle or did it feel like you forged a new
4: way? What What was that like for you both? I know in the very beginning, it started off with um, something that I started doing where I would tell her, I can commit for 72 hours. So we have for the next 72 hours, I am all in 120%. And then I'll reevaluate again because I am still figuring all of this out and I just don't know yet and I don't want to mislead you and I don't want to say that I'm more ready to commit than I am but it gave her a little bit more of a sense of security that like okay for the next 72 hours we're committed we were we're on the same page so there was a lot of that in the very beginning
3: yeah when Michelle was hesitant about making a longer-term commitment at any point, you know, when we were having conversations or anything like that, the the seventy two hour. Why did we pick the same number as a psychiatric hold? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just an it was, impulse. It was, it was spontaneous. Um, but that that number meant I didn't have to be afraid in that moment that her lack of desire to commit for you know the rest of our lives immediately meant that she was going to break up with me in the next 12 to 24 hours, which Mm -hmm. was really the running anxiety. And it has been an anxiety for me in a lot of relationships of just like, if it's not completely 120% steady, if it's not locked down and on paper and legally recognized and professed in front of all of our friends and official on Facebook, then it's nothing. Then I'm, I'm, I'm in too much of a risk. And so she was able to meet me kind of where that was, but also to say, like, I'm not going to stretch outside my comfort zone and my need to actually go through the processes of a relationship. Um, We're going to figure out a way to negotiate this together.
4: And I think there was a lot of reframing that I did as well um, with kind of talking with her about the fact that even when we're engaged, even when we're married, if you wake up and you're unhappy and we try to work through that and it's not working, I want you to go. Like this is not any less of a commitment than it's going to be then. I'm telling you that right now I'm happy and right now this is where I want to be and if something changes, we're going to work work to try to fix that and if we can't, then we need to move on to a different place and so there was a lot of that kind of reframing as well to say like, the security isn't coming from the ring and the security isn't coming from the piece of paper. You're gonna to have to trust me when I say that I'm in this right now.
0: Marriage therapist Esther Perrell says that we all come to relationships with an emotional dowry that contains fears, anticipations, expectations, wounds, and strengths. When you're engaged, it can be easy to ignore these things, to plan for a wedding, and not for a marriage. Our culture gives us lots of ways to do that. There's this whole little slice of the economy and plenty of internet space dedicated to every little Pinteresty detail of this one day of a couple's life. But looking honestly at this emotional dowry and talking about it together, it's an important part of preparing for marriage. I'd even go so far as to say it's the most important part. And hearing about this process from Michelle and Emmy was really beautiful. Something I'm hearing from you both that I think is really relatable in making any kind of promise is this confrontation of your anxiety and fear Mm -hmm. about making that promise Mm -hmm. and what that kind of taps into. Um, I'm curious if you, each of you learned things or learned to befriend certain fears or learned where some of those fears were coming from fears, anxieties, whatever you want to call them. Um, Yeah, what did you learn about your anxiety and your fear in this process?
3: Yeah, I definitely learned that I have a lifelong anxiety about destruction of relationships and about, you know, falling out of favor with someone. I think that goes back to a lot of family dynamics that I grew up with, and I see now how it infects or infected a lot of my previous relationships and really made me sort of unable to be my whole self in those relationships and because with Michelle I had to really face that anxiety head on we were able to deal with it a lot more effectively which means that she can now sort of call me back to myself when I start giving into those same anxieties and fears when I start doing the the sort of self-compromising that I'm very accustomed to doing in order to maintain something she can, whether that's with me or with my job or with friends or family, she has the capacity to say like, Oh, you're doing the thing again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel so safe and comfortable with her that she can do that for me and and call me back to my better self.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. I think um, for me, I realized how big of a fear I have of losing my open options and I think I thrive on the excitement in life and I thrive on like the next possibility and so I had to deal with a lot of those fears and realizing that that doesn't always mean uprooting my life and changing everything it can be much more subtle and much more simple in order to find the adventure and the excitement in life and I can do that you know, in the context of a relationship as well as I can do that outside of a relationship. And so I think I just learned a lot about those personality traits in myself.
0: How have you both found healing in promise? Can I talk a little bit
3: about our engagement? Like yeah. the, the story? The cute part? <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or the buildup to it because we saw, um, a life coach and a therapist, when we were trying to work through a lot of these these spaces that we were just, we were in different spaces as far as our expectations and desires and timeline. And the when we were finally sort of on the edge of being ready to get engaged, our life coach looked at me and said, okay, but what do you need from an engagement? And I said, no, I just, I just want to be engaged. Like, that's all I want. I don't need anything. I don't need, you know, big romantic gesture. I don't need hot air balloon. I don't need... Kiss Cam at the stadium. I just, I just want to be engaged. And she said, no, OK, that's very nice. <laughs> I don't think you're correct in that because a lot of this is my life coach talking. She's saying uh, a lot of what I hear you talking about is this feeling that you're not choosable. You're not lovable um, and that you have to sort of overperform for the other person. And what would it be like? I think at that point we'd figured out you really wanted to be surprised, mm-hmm. Michelle, by an engagement, by a proposal. Um, Like, we wanted to talk about it, but then the moment would be a surprise. I love excitement. You do. (laughs) You do. And our life coach said, I think it would be really valuable if Michelle prepared a proposal to give back to you. So Michelle wouldn't get to do the surprise part, but there would be something sort of ready to go at any moment so that when I was ready to propose and sprung it on her, she would be able to give me something back because that would be reaffirming for me of the fact that I was being chosen.
0: So what is the cute story? From both of your perspectives. You can go first, you planned it all. Okay, I did.
3: Um, Michelle is a veterinarian, as we've said, and she has two dogs and a cat who uh, I have come to now love as my own. I was not a dog person when we started dating, but they have they have changed me. Um and so we we'd been talking about doing a family uh or a, a pet photo shoot to really capture the animals as they are. Um two of them are dealing with some health issues, so we really wanted to capture them at home, happy in a comfortable space, and we found a great photographer for doing that, doing a home photo shoot. And it was right before Christmas, so we had the tree up, and I contacted the photographer, and I said, what would you think about a surprise engagement in the middle of the photography shoot? And she said, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. So we had our rings, and I hid it. um, I hid Michelle's ring underneath the Christmas tree, and we did a whole bunch of photos, and it
4: was great. Oh, I forgot to mention that Michelle figured it out that morning. I. I'm going to be honest, I figured it out like maybe a month and a half before that. break my heart. (laughs) I did figure it out a little. But I didn't want her to know I figured it out because I thought it was the most perfect plan I had ever heard of, and I didn't want her to change it. And so I was very good at not letting her know that I had figured it out because I wanted it to happen that way.
3: Clearly, since now you're revealing this a year and a half later. (laughs) um yeah so we the photographer came and take took a bunch of amazing photos of the dogs and cat and then we were taking family photos in front of the Christmas tree and I just turned around and pulled the ring out from under the tree and I had been preparing for weeks my Hmm. engagement proposal speech right and I had it all memorized there were five points so that I could go through my fingers (laughs) and like remember each salient point and I mean, I'm a professional public speaker. You would think I would have this down. And I looked at her and forgot everything that I was going to say and just started crying and opened the ring box. And I said, you're so pretty. Will you marry me?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Which was perfect. And then I had, um, I think, about a month earlier, I kind of figured out that this was probably when it was going to happen because she had suddenly taken control of setting up this photo shoot that I had been talking about for a while and it was just a little suspicious and so I was like well okay what can I do that would be easy to kind of surprise her with and so I ended up making a like a Shutterfly book that were all of the reasons that I love and value her Um, and then at the end had a proposal and so I wrapped it and put it under the tree quite a while before, knowing that this was likely going to happen during the photo shoot. And so when she reached for the ring, I was able to reach back for the book and give that to her at the same time, so that she could have what I would refer to now as a counter proposal um, to <laughs> to have in that moment, too. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much.
0: So. This season, we've been exploring the notion of promise. Ancient promises, modern promises, intergenerational promises, individual promises. There's something profound about the promise of marriage that bridges ancient ritual and modern day-to-day living. Something that joins together sacred and secular, something that joins together two people, but also knits together a community around them. I love this, about weddings, and knowing Michelle and Emmy to be spiritual people, I wanted to hear what they thought about this promise in context of their spiritual lives. So as we talk about promise um, and signs of promise, th- I, I love that about that story too, is that those symbols of of how you kind of put that together, they both feel like symbols of each of your journeys, mm-hmm. and I hear healing in that story too, mm-hmm. healing through promise. And I, I think that's really beautiful um, because this is a theology <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm curious about promise and your own faith and spirituality and what you see, w- where you see yourself sort of on your own journey, you know, spiritually and faith wise. And how that affects how you think about promise, kind of vis-a-vis one another and just writ large. Mm -hmm.
3: Slightly off topic, but I know that one of the reasons I'm really excited for our wedding day is that it's been a long time since I've been in a worship setting and not been leading it. And I am really excited on our wedding day to just be a bride and not be a pastor and not be doing spirituality or community engagement Professionally, but to just be doing it alongside the woman that I love, and in the context of family and friends that love Mm -hmm. Um, us—not that I don't love being a pastor because I do—but there's just it's something very different to do that in a in a. There's just so much vulnerability and beauty in it, and I love um, in the tradition of Christian marriage and in in doing marriage within a ceremony where friends and family are invited, that we invite friends and family into that promise as well. That they witness it with us, that there are wedding traditions in which you actually ask the friends and family to voice out loud that they will support this couple and encourage them and bless them with gifts of wisdom and understanding. And I I love that because... I'm certainly at a point where I think that my love for Michelle could overcome any obstacle.
4: Hmm.
3: And uh, I I, I would feel the same way about her love for me as well. But we both have recognized that there are times when it's hard to love each other, that there are times when it's hard to do the work, that there are times when we need the community around us. And so to be able to invite both the power of the divine and the power of the community into that space is so, so meaningful to me, because it means that the promises actually have a chance of coming
4: true. I think um, mine is a a, a little bit different in the sense (laughs) of, um, I, I think that I have feared that promises do not remain promises if I change too much and I think that a lot of that stems from you know growing up Catholic and growing up in a very very structured religion which was beautiful and gave me so many gifts and then when I started to change in a way that couldn't fit into Catholicism I felt really lost and abandoned and like I was kind of floundering to try to figure out who I was and where I belonged now. And I think that I had a lot of fear from that, that promises were only promises so long as I stayed the same. And what I've learned from my relationship with Emmy is that I have all the freedom in the world to change. And she still has all the freedom in the world to say that doesn't work for me or that does work for me but I'm not fearful of the change anymore because I've seen so often her being able to look at me and say, like, I love you for so much more than that. Like, I love you for so much more than that one thing that was a piece of who you were, but maybe wasn't essential to who you were or, or was essential to who you were, but is changing now. And so I think my view of promises has changed a lot, and I see them instead of as... A commitment, in, a commitment at one point in time, which is kind of how I used to view them. I see them now more as this evolving, continuing commitment that gets to kind of change with me and change with our relationship and look a little different on different days, but still has the the steadiness to make me feel grounded. I'm so grateful
0: to these two for talking to me and for all the insight they gave me into promise. Michelle and Emmy talked about the process of how this idea of promise had evolved over the course of their engagement, but one of the bigger things I got from this conversation is that these are signs of any healthy promise. A healthy promise takes another person where they are and contains within it the expectation and embrace of change. It might be made between two people but it contains the support of a community. It holds fear and love together in the same breath. It looks at things honestly and names the painful and vulnerable parts of life. Ultimately, a healthy promise contains healing and it contains hope. Alter Guild is hosted by Meta Herrick Carlson, Matthew Ian Fleming, Miriam Samuelson Roberts, and Derek Tronsgaard, with edits by Matt and Derek. You can visit our website at alterguild.org. That's A-L-T-E-R, and find us on Twitter and Facebook at slash alterguild. To listen to more episodes or to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else fine podcasts are sold. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. And in the meantime, go in peace, listen, love, serve, and alter.